My name is Martin Leach. My family has survived and increased in some branches because of the RNLI's interference <laughs> in our lives. And that is my link. That is my link. Historical. Well, I have four grandchildren, three boys and a girl, and two children. My daughter is a teacher at secondary school, a very well-respected teacher. My son is a barrister. I retired from an electronics company about six years ago. I was actually a research chemist for ICI and a member of the Royal Society of Chemistry. And um, we moved here to Gloucestershire from Selsey, where we were quite near the lifeboat station, actually, <laughs> and often heard our neighbours shooting off in the middle of the night when the cannons went off, because they were fishermen. I have two brothers. One of those is a teacher, and one is uh, an engineer. Both have retired now. My father was a postman, and my mother uh, an office lady. And we're kind of the descendants of a long line of labourers and workhouse incumbents, shall we say. Uh, I can go back along one line of my family, my Leach family name. I can go back to about 1700, a bit before. And um, my mother's family, I can go back um, approximately the same, about 1650, something like that. Uh, it's been a hobby of mine, and um, it has revealed some astonishing secrets, uh, which nobody ever spoke about. The particular line that uh, we're following was my paternal great-grandmother. My particular interest, and the RNLI interest, is with her grandfather. His name was Henry Orsborn, and he was born into a poor family. Uh, the first record of him I have is his mother applying for poor relief. Um, and he was born somewhere in East Anglia, I think Cambridge, Essex, somewhere like that. But where it becomes relevant is that he moved to Scotland and was employed laying the tracks for the Caledonia Railway. Now, something went wrong up there. Uh, either that or he was a bit of a wide boy because he was convicted on at least two occasions of petty crimes. And uh, I think one was night poaching, one was housebreaking. And the third was the one that really screwed him up. Uh, he was convicted of housebreaking and it was aggravated by earlier convictions. He, as a result, went to prison for seven years but part of that service, he was transported to Bermuda. Now, I don't know about you, I had absolutely no idea that we ex we exported, I was going to say, transported convicts to Bermuda. Apparently, it was a political thing. It was tied up with the end of the American War of Independence, uh, the end of slavery. They could no longer use slave labour in Bermuda to build a naval dockyard which they needed because of the American independence and so forth. So it was kind of all tied up with history. 
and he was um, he was sent out to live on uh, a hulk, a prison hulk, very Dickensian. But he was it was called the Tenedos. It was a prison hulk, and later he was moved to um, an island, Bose Island, which is uh, I've never been to Bermuda, but I've seen the maps. It's a, a small island, and it's where the naval dockyard is in that vicinity. And he was employed uh, building the naval dockyard and the hospital that was there. Towards the end of his service, service, he was set off, if you like, in 1862 to go home. The conditions in Bermuda for convicts were really terrible. You know, I, I can't use the same language that I've read to describe them. I have done a lot of research around there and they were really, really awful. There were bouts of yellow fever. There were uh, constant problems with the guards who were not the most honest of men, shall we say. They had to pay for their passage home. And they did that by, they were paid a nominal stipend, if you like. And this was used to trade with the local people. Alcohol, drugs, whatever they could trade with. He was by the standards of the time quite a big man i think he was something like 5 foot 8 he was uh, quite heavily built apparently according to his criminal description he was put aboard a ship called the Cedring which was um, a bark built in bermuda from the local cedarwood and dispatched to england now unfortunately the captain of the ship the bloke called dill was perhaps not the best, <laughs> the best of pe- best of captains, and they entered the. So remember, this was a sailing bark, so it was tacking backwards and forwards, and um, I gather that there was some fog and quite heavy seas, and they didn't take soundings, and the ship went round to the south of the Isle of Wight, and ran aground. It ran aground off uh, Brixton or Brixton, as, as it was spelt then, BR, as, in, as in London, but it, the red ground of Brixton. And luckily for them, um, the previous year, a lifeboat had been donated by the Royal Yacht Society, who was based there, um, to the what was then the fledgling RNLI. So that would have been in 1861. The ship ran aground and... Fortunately, um, they were able to lower the lifeboat and rescue the whole contingent. There were 191 convicts on board, plus guards, plus the crew. And every single one was saved and um, was brought ashore, which is something. They couldn't get the ship ashore. It was apparently the sea kept driving it up onto the beach. So they broke it up and the there's a small church nearby Modstone, and if you visit that church and look up at the ceiling you'll see that it's red cedar wood and those are the timbers from that ship which were used to reconstruct the roof of the church i had visited it and it's it's quite something really um then the funny bit after they were rescued the convicts who had been locked up remember for god knows how long ran amok 
and uh, they dispersed and drank both the pubs in Brixton dry. Don't ask where they got the money from, but they drank it dry, and it, it they had to call out the army to round them up. Apparently, it must have been must have been terrifying for the locals, but I dare say the publicans did quite well from it. But they rounded them up and marched them all off to Parkhurst. So um, my link, really, my family link, the chemists, the engineers, the lawyers that have descended from him. Um, well, things might have been a lot different if he hadn't been rescued. Of course, if he hadn't stolen the harness, which put him away for seven years in the first place. That's the link, frankly. Um, after he came back, he had another child who um, would be my great aunt. And she went to Canada. And I now have cousins in Canada um, who uh, are direct descendants of our shared great-great-grandfather. What it has done for me is to awaken the realisation that... Well, let me go back a bit. The life book puts out, as I said to you, it used to be woken up in the middle of the night sometimes with a bang and the cars starting up and rushing off and you think... Someone's in trouble out there and those blokes are going out in terrible weather and they're picking people up and bringing them back. And um, those were blokes that I knew. Um, one of them was a, a builder and um, his wife used to look after our son uh, while we were working. We were much younger then and that son is now a barrister. Um, there were others that were fishermen that lived in the same road because Selzy... Uh, was quite a quite a centre for um, seafood, you know, shellfish especially. We used to go down to the beach and buy fresh uh, crabs, which had been cooked on the beach, you know, in big big kettles in the beach. So yeah, uh, we thought brave men, great. But what this has done, it's perhaps it's my stupidity that I didn't see this before. But it's not just the people they're rescuing; it's those opportunities if you like for humanity which have been saved by those men and women you know for someone that's pulled from the sea and doesn't drown and goes on to have another family or another child or goes back to a family to support them as they grow then that's a real that's of real value and over and above if that's possible saving that one life that's what it's done for me. So, there you go. Thank you, RNLI. We're all here because of you. Hello, this is Seth Lakeman. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.
200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.